We truly do believe that resilience and relevance for the future is critical because I honestly believe that the roles we have now are not the roles we're going to have in the future. And as more automation comes into our manufacturing processes, the employees who are administering or facilitating or making that process happen are going to have to have more skills to do that as well. Let's required to learn and then it's going to be good and it's going to be beneficial and hopefully that'll catch. But we're on that journey like others as well. Hello and welcome to the Talent Blueprint, your guide to building a talent first company. Today features an interview with Tammy Wallenick, head of people and organization at Siemens Mobility. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery. Beamery's talent lifecycle management platform makes it possible for companies to deliver more human talent experiences and unlock the skills and potential of their global workforce using industry-leading AI. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's installment of the Talent Blueprint. I'm your host, Sultan Seidel, and I am super excited today to welcome Tammy Wolodik. Tammy, thank you for joining us. Super excited to hear about your role at Siemens Mobility. Tell us about the kind of work that you've been doing here and a little bit about the organization. I am head of people and organization with Siemens Mobility in North America. And Siemens Mobility, basically, we are a high-tech company that manufactures trains, which includes passenger coach, locomotive, light rail vehicles. And then we also do product in rail infrastructure, and then we service basically the rolling stock that we produce as well as the rail infrastructure. We're across North America. Of course, we're actually a global company, but our responsibility is North America, which is U.S. and Canada. And we as an organization have, just like many organizations, have been very involved in adapting to a new way of working, a new normal ever since covid the impact of COVID is certainly hard to, to overstate, but I imagine it's particularly interesting in a role like yours where you're overseeing human resources, which is from every vantage point been turned upside down. I know that one of the things that you focused on and written about is how important it is to understand mental health. It's not something everyone wants to talk about. There's clearly a lot of transformations that would have been driving over the last couple of years in areas such as this and otherwise, what's been the most rewarding part of your role? And have there been moments in this post-COVID world that have particularly stood out to you? What we have to realize too is that, of course, we're in a tight labor market and that's not different than what we've had in the past. What's different is because of COVID, what people expect out of the employer. And as you indicated, the focus on mental health and well-being the focus on balance in their life and being able to prioritize family and, in essence, working to live, not living to work, that kind of concept. And so I think what's been rewarding, to to get to the question that you're asking, what's been rewarding there is helping the organization, quite frankly, make that shift. And I think Siemens and Siemens Mobility has been a bit ahead of the curve in that shift. And that's been rewarding too. I think very early on, we started working with our managers, our leadership to say, you are going to be the most important contact with your employees throughout this process. 
There's no way that we call ourselves P&O, people and organization. We're not going to be able to contact every single employee and put a pulse point on them. You manager, you leader have to be the person who's doing that. And we're going to help you. We're going to give you tools. We're going to give you training. We're going to give you resources to help you do that. And I think that's been the rewarding part. Quite frankly, later in the conversation, if we talk about where some of the challenges have been, that's also been the challenging part. So it's a little bit of both. But yes, I think it's been the rewarding part of getting managers further along on this curve and, of course, helping employees through this process and into this new normal. I think the example of helping managers is actually not talked about enough. So much of what we've tended to focus on in HR and talent acquisition has been on improving processes, improving how we recruit, improving how we onboard, improving how we run performance. And what you're touching on is a trend we're starting to see, which is actually how do we empower everybody in the organization, especially the managers, to really think about people and think about people's development. And the piece that you touched on there, which is we're obviously continuing in most areas and regions to be in a tight labor market, and it's more important than ever to think about how do we differentiate ourselves. Tell me a little bit more about that component, how you position Siemens Mobility as a competitive employer and how you leverage some of those initiatives, including your manager programs to really differentiate yourselves. On that, I would say we have worked very hard and been very intentional about making changes within the organization. And so let me actually go ahead and continue to start with the manager. One of the things we did is we actually threw away years and years of performance review process that basically went 364 days of the year completely focused on operations, operations, and then boom, one day of the year you have a performance review, and then you go back to 364 days of operating. And we threw that away. We said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to expect managers and employees to do something called growth talks, where they need to get together quite routinely, quite frequently, and have these conversations that incorporate a variety of topics. They incorporate alignment on expectations. So that equates to the old goal setting. So alignments on expectation, but also a discussion about then how are things going, both related to output and business operations, but how are you doing, employee? What barriers are in your way to success? What do I need to do to help you? Anything getting in the way of you being able to focus on your responsibilities? Where do you want to go in your future? What development do you need? The whole gamut of conversations, and we call these growth talks, and they're not once a year, they're continuous. And so I think that has enabled, I think, very important part of the organization because it's allowed managers and employees to develop better relationship, better communication, and stay aligned and not just have a once a year checkpoint, once a year touch in. So that's been an important part of it that was, I think, as a result, really timely for COVID. I think the other thing, and of course, everybody went with this kind of new normal because they didn't have a choice, right? They had to. But Siemens and Siemens Mobility came out very quickly and said, this is permanent. We are permanently going to this new normal that says for a job on average where feasible, 
the employee will work remotely two to three days per week and in the office two to three days per week. We still think collaboration is important, but we also agree that employees want in-office time to be purposeful and to have meaning. They don't want to just come in because somebody needs to see their face. They want to come in because it adds value. And so we're really working with managers again and employees to understand that. And so I think that's been an important part of that change. We're going through very much an employer branding relook or refocus. I think what we used to say as Siemens, we're a big company, we're stable, isn't that great? And that is good. And that is something we want to talk about. But more than that, we want to talk about our culture. We want to talk about a culture of inclusiveness, a culture of innovation, a culture that allows people to be empowered and to flex their wings and try new things. And so that's a big part of our culture. But then in that employer branding, the other thing that we really stress, one, we're Siemens Mobility, we're trains, right? Trains are exciting. People like talking about trains and having something tangible that they can point to their point to when they're with their kids or their families and say, I was a part of that. But then we're also focused on sustainability. We're a green alternative to transportation. And so one of the things we've seen coming out of code as well is that people want to know that they work for a company that has positive impact on communities, on the environment, on the world overall. And green transportation and trains as an alternative type of transportation is a big part of that. So again, we've been intentional about employer branding. We've been intentional about really developing that workplace culture that's empowered, that has flexibility. Um, Our product overall is just something that we're really trying to talk about because of the sustainability and then the inclusion. So I would say those are the four pillars that we're working with. What what I love about those four pillars is how strongly they align with what we are seeing as the most important facets to new generations entering the workforce. There's obviously been a lot of talk over the years about millennials and Gen Z and all the different generational nuances, but a pretty clear trend, in fact, even from generations currently in the workforce, is increasing care for development and impact. And I think one of the challenges that we've seen for organizations in trying to adopt a development-centric culture is that it's quite hard to transition from the kind of processes you mentioned of once-a-year reviews towards ongoing development, in part because it's quite difficult to really adopt a skills and potential-centric mindset across the board. So in some of those changes to to really embrace that development-facing culture, What kind of frictions have you run into in changing managers' mindsets towards that continuous development? Have there been challenges that you've run into in trying to bring about that change? Absolutely. All of that comes under the umbrella that we call growth mindset. And again, growth talks is a part of that. But related to that, we actually, across Siemens, implemented a learning hours, an average learning hours per employee requirement. And I'm going to be honest, in the beginning, a lot of the focus from supervisors and others was just about hitting the hours. 
and not necessarily about the quality of what went into those hours. But that's okay because what we were trying to do is build a habit, build a culture of learning and expectation that you supervisor, you manager, you employee were going to participate in learning. We do know it's something that actually coming out of COVID again, employees want, candidates want, they want to know that they're going to develop. So first, we're in essence mandating it through an hours requirement that's monitored. Siemens at the same time has made, and Siemens Mobility as well, has made significant investment in our learning platform. And I would say our learning platform is world-class in terms of the content that is on there. It's both soft skills, it's technical skills, it's articles, it's Siemens-led content, it's outside content that now we have agreement to do on our platform as well. And so by kind of requiring the learning in the beginning, but getting that habit built in to create that learning culture, I think that we're creating that muscle memory or that idea that learning is going to be a part of what you're expected to do and what we want to do. But yes, some of the challenges as a result were Siemens Mobility. We are probably, without going the exact numbers, we're 50% manufacturing employees and 50% office support, sales, general administration, that type of thing. Obviously, the learning itself, taking the time to spend the learning is easier in the office professional environment and less so in a manufacturing environment. And so we've had to be very intentional about getting people involved in learning in the manufacturing. And the first year, again, it was, I will say the focus was probably how do we hit the hours, right? But now it's how do we make this content that's relevant? How do we make sure that people are getting something that's value that's going to help them propel in their career? We truly do believe that resilience and relevance for the future is critical because I honestly believe that the roles we have now are not the roles we're going to have in the future. And as more automation comes into our manufacturing processes, the employees who are administering or facilitating or making that process happen are going to have to have more skills to do that as well. So Again, let's build the expectation now that you're required to learn and then it's going to be good and it's going to be beneficial and hopefully that'll catch. But we're on that journey like others as well. It's interesting quite how quickly roles are changing. There's been a lot of studies from Harvard and McKinsey and various groups that have been analyzing the time it takes for skills to become redundant over the last couple of generations. And it's quite common now that people's roles are becoming either very different or no longer relevant every five years rather than every 20, 30 years. In many cases, the answer shouldn't be hiring for those new roles. It should be looking at where can you train those people. And the choices around when do we hire versus when do we train are more important than ever to think about centrally. How do we look at opportunities to upskill proactively to align with where the business is heading. How do you think about the lessons that you're learning around successful training programs and how it drives your hiring decisions? Has that impacted opportunities to hire full potential, knowing that those training programs exist? And how how has that integrated into your approach to hiring? Absolutely. We are trying to help our managers understand the need to hire based on skills, hire based on potential, 
and ability to learn and develop. We actually have a diagnostic that we've introduced with some of our P&O teams working with the business to look at potential areas where we think upskilling is going to be important, where we see the type of work changing. And that's, it's basically a project where you go through, you look at the type of work we're doing now, what we envision that might look like in five years, and then as a result, how skills have to change, what knowledge managers or employees, managers too, quite frankly, need to develop to get there. And then how are we going to fit that gap? Can we do most of that gap through upskilling? That's preferable in terms of the culture we want to create. But if we also do need to start recruiting a little bit differently, we'll look at that too. So yes, we are looking at that. We actually consider it part of our, quote, sustainability initiative, because being relevant for the future for our customers and for our employees is a sustainability feature, right? It's the sustainability of the organization. And so it is something that we're focusing on. That's a really interesting flag, actually. I hadn't heard of organizations really embracing how this type of focus is embedded within sustainability. You could actually also say that the skills focus is part of a inclusion and diversity component of focus, right? We see so many examples of this mindset of hiring for skills and development and focusing on where careers are heading, enabling organizations to both hire and attract and retain people from underrepresented backgrounds and focus less on people's credentials and in doing so open up the, the horizons of how accessible work is. I also wanted to pick up on your point on how you've incorporated into the, a different approach to planning and workforce planning. I think this is a big shift we are seeing emerging because traditionally, business planning has been run very separately from talent planning. You have business plans and headcount plans, but this idea of marrying it with skills and learning planning has been very difficult to execute. And as a result, very few organizations have already been able to do it. It sounds like you have incorporated that into the actual P&O and people functions. And I imagine that's giving you options to be more agile in how you make those decisions and not just look every couple of years, but think, what kinds of people are we successfully hiring? How have you looked at the opportunity to use this to be more agile and make decisions faster? Is that something that is working? Are there opportunities for what could be better? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think we're still early in that curve. It falls under our kind of strategic umbrella of resilience and relevance. And so that's the agile is the resilience part. The projects that we've been doing with this are still having just completed the kind of analysis phase and the upskilling required and that type of thing. So I think it's going to take us a while to see what that full life cycle looks like. But again, I do know that we already know we're looking at when we're doing new hiring, that we're looking at expanded skills and that we're also focusing on upskilling existing people. And I think in terms of tracking the metrics of those pilot programs to see how that's made a difference is something we're absolutely going to do. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who's further along. I think this is such a, a new trend and you're amongst the few organizations that's already started embracing not only piloting workforce planning, but actually embracing learning and skill-based culture. I think it's where we see most organizations heading in the next couple of years. 
speaking of where things are heading, what is front of mind for you? If you were to summarize your strategy and priorities for the next few years, what are you focusing on? So again, I think under that heading of resilience and relevance, and maybe to a comment we talked about earlier, I don't think that we know all the jobs that exist five years from now. And I think making sure that we're having these conversations, making sure that it's not just P&O sitting in their own conference room and forecasting, but that it's P&O and business leaders and R&D, these groups working together. I think that's what's important, that we're collaborating as an organization, working together to really try to get the right type of open mindset to change, to innovation, to rapid change, that we have to be able to do it fast. I think that's our focus right now is being open, working together, collaborating, because five years ago, none of us predicted COVID, right? Five years from now, I don't think we can predict exactly what the workplace looks like either, but I think it continues to be different. And I think COVID was a force multiplier in terms of acceleration and how much things are going to keep continuing to change. So I would say it's on resilience and relevance. That's the primary topic. And then underneath that, we look at how we win new employees, how we develop employees, and how we retain, quite frankly, the employees we have. That's a huge part of our focus as well right now, because one of the things we also saw coming out of COVID is people felt quite comfortable changing to an employer who did offer or it was they were seeking if we weren't offering it. And so we're focusing on retention as well, because again, it is easier, I think, to retain people and upskill them than to go out and find brand new people and that type of thing. It's easier to get people who already like and want the company, and we transform together to have that relationship that works for a future that's about rapid change, about different kind of workplace culture, and a focus on It's more a focus on output as opposed to a focus on faces in an office and that type of thing. You touched on this right at the beginning when you talked about the new normal, the work culture. What else are you seeing as things that are creating the right drivers of retaining talent? You touched on at the beginning the importance of not only looking at the in-person time, but the way that we actually take time together as something that adds value. And you touched on working to live, not living to work. How have those elements of the sort of new normal culture and the flexibility that's embedded in the statement that you're making being embraced? Which elements of that are really reshaping the culture? And I guess what's next in that drive to retain employees in the new normal? The first question would be embraced by whom? (laughs) Because I think employees love it. I think managers and leaders can love it, but they have to feel comfortable operating in it. And I think it's interesting if there's a group that has gotten squeezed in this change, it's probably middle management because let's face it, leadership is up there still setting a direction, setting a mission, vision, a strategy of where they want to see the organization go. They're trying to tap into new technologies and making sure we're taking advantage of all that and trying to be the first in our industry to introduce technologies and that type of thing. Employees are loving the new normal, loving the flexibility, wanting the development. So it's a win for them as well. 
but it's the middle manager, the person in the middle who is trying to satisfy a leadership strategic direction, but get things done and deal with employee expectations who's caught in the middle. So I would say in terms of what we have to focus on as part of this now transformation is more than ever before, we have to help leaders. And, I, and when I say leaders, I'm really talking in that middle management layer. We have to help them understand how to do that and give them the tools and resources because they're being pushed from all sides. They're being pushed from leadership. They're being pushed from their employees. Let's face it, they're being pushed from P&O. They're getting pressure from all sides, and yet they're pivotal to making this happen. And so I think that's where the big focus needs to be is how can we help that leadership group? How can we help that middle group really manage and lead and develop the workforce instead of just focus on daily operational output? They have to do that, right? That's part of their job. But how can they see that there's a benefit to developing your employees? There's a benefit to trusting your employees. There's a benefit to empowering your employees that actually will make your job easier in the long run. But it might be a bit uncomfortable. You might have to get outside your comfort zone in the interim, in the right now, to truly see that benefit. And it takes a bit of trust on their part to just just try it. I love the depth of your focus on the manager and really bringing to life that development is exciting. And on the theme of things that are exciting in CMS mobility, as you said earlier, trains are exciting. You touched on the intersection of mass transit and sustainability and how that creates some really tangible feelings of impact for people working on these projects. What do you think is going to be a driver for you in the coming four or five years of your t- attraction and retention strategy for talent when it comes to really embracing what being in such an attractive industry is and how to, to manifest that to your employees and potential candidates? So I would say timing is perfect right now because there is a renewed emphasis on infrastructure and infrastructure spending, which of course, rail, we fall right into that. So just the fact that both our customers as well as our employees are seeing this focus and this emphasis on rail, they're seeing the focus and the emphasis on greener transportation, and then they're seeing a company that's obviously being very successful in this industry. We just announced two weeks ago that we're opening a brand new facility in Lexington, North Carolina, that we're going to build it from the ground up. And when we build it, there's going to be modern manufacturing processes and tools inside this facility. I think all of that comes together to be attractive for, again, our customers as well as our employees and our future employees, because they see that we're moving with this momentum, with this fast pace of change and innovation. We're a successful company that is going to continue to have a lot to offer. And so I think that's an important part, what makes Siemens Mobility very attractive. On the theme of fast pace of change and innovation, this takes us nicely to our final segment, the future of talent. If we zoom out beyond 
just the immediate world of Siemens and you look at the industry as a whole and where things seem to be heading for how companies will be treating people and the experiences for candidates and employees and managers. What are some of the things that you hope or anticipate will have changed if we look back five years from now? I think because of what we see happening in digitalization, I think we're going to see this focus on employees being more engaged in systems and as a result, being encouraged to develop outside of the space they're in. For example, for me, my career has been predominantly human resources, right? My husband's career has been predominantly in his area of expertise. But because of innovation and because of how people interact with systems, I think we're going to see employee careers that don't go in vertical paths as much as they used to. I think we see employee careers where people bring part of their background with them to new roles, but they try brand new things that they've never done before because systems make that possible and skills and capabilities are complements to being able to do something different and more flexible. So that's what I think I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see people who have much more, again, resilience and ability to do something almost completely different than they were doing before and being confident in doing that. And it's because of that focus on developing them as well as leveraging technology. And I think that changing technology is what's going to help that happen as well. I couldn't agree more. It's exciting because I think we're on that journey now. And I agree. I think within the next five years, this can be pretty transformational. Tammy, thank you so much for a wonderful conversation and for all of your insights. Really enjoyed learning about the world of Siemens Mobility and the wonderful things you guys have been doing there. Thank you for having me. We love talking about Siemens Mobility and what we're doing. So I appreciate the opportunity. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery. Beamery's talent lifecycle management platform makes it possible for enterprises to drive more human talent experiences and unlock the skills and potential of their global workforce with industry-leading AI. Beamery optimizes every step of the talent lifecycle, from sourcing and identifying talent with the right skills and potential, to building and marketing your employment brand, creating an internal talent marketplace, and mobilizing your employees through getting the reporting and talent insights that you need to make better decisions about your workforce. Are you ready to unlock your talent? Learn more at Beamery.com.